0: Hi, welcome to and It's Writing, a live stream and podcast where two writers have a few drinks and some laughs while we revise our old work. I'm DC McNaughton, speculative fantasy and historical fiction writer. Right now, I am working on drafting. It's just never-ending drafting, but I drafted all my words this week, and I'm feeling pretty good about it. Yay! <laughs> and I have so much research research left to do with the historical fiction thing. I'm finally getting it done, though. This book is taking me way too long and I'm ready to ready to punch it in the face. (laughs) I am currently reading um, Once There Were Wolves by Charlotte McConaughey. I unfortunately haven't made it any further than the last time we spoke because there's been a lot of stuff going on, but I'm
1: super excited to jump back in. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm Amy Avery. I write adult fantasy. I also self-publish fantasy romance under the pen name Avery Ames. What I'm working on is what I'm probably not supposed to be working on. Uh, I'm playing around with something while I'm waiting on some answers on another project. So I was I got bored and tired of waiting. So I'm just playing around a little bit in a new sandbox. And what I'm reading is I'm reading more advanced reader copies so yay I, I, i'm on my last one <laughs> new projects and advanced reader copies that's the perfect life yes and so, so someone in chat said arc 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 for advanced <laughs> reader copies i've never had one maybe someday i was i was gonna say i could send you one of mine but you've already read Ooh. it so. <laughs> <laughs> you read like the pre-arc arc <laughs> We want those going to people that haven't read the book,
0: see? Yes.
1: (laughs) So yeah, so today we're going to be looking at writing dual timelines, multiple timelines, and kind of tied up in that is going to be flashbacks as well.
0: (laughs) I can't wait to probably make at least four references to the show Lost today. It's going to be super fun. (laughs) (laughs) This is our usual reminder that writing is not all about rules. When we are writing, we sometimes need to break them as well. I am having a case of that this week where I just need to break all my rules because I followed too many and it took me too many months. So now here I am breaking all the rules because it's the only thing getting me writing. We are both firm believers
1: that if the rules feel too suffocating or overwhelming, ignore them and just write. Yeah, I'm, I've am i also been dealing with that lately.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes those rules are rough,
0: man. Oh, yeah. I, I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can hear it in my voice today, but I want
1: to die. It's, Yeah. <laughs> It's been rough. Oh yeah, right. You had you had to kind of like talk me down last night where I'm like, everything is bad. I know all the rules now and it looks bad. Writing
0: is brutal.
1: <laughs> it's very hard. Yeah, so we usually uh we always have a drink. Um, and this time the concept was to take like the flashback to the modern times and pick like an old like kind of shitty like 80s cocktail. And originally I was gonna redo a fuzzy navel, but I have this beautiful apple cider right now. And I, it's gotten cool out here and I'm feeling apply. So I made like an updated apple teeny and I'm gonna hold it up for the people who are watching. It's very green because I put green food color in it. Because there was no <laughs> apple pucker in this. Usually apple teenies are like vodka, apple pucker, if you're lucky some sour mix, maybe a little apple juice. Um this one is like the good shit apple cider um, vodka ginger syrup and just a dash of lemon so it's got a lot more complexity and it's it doesn't taste like a jolly rancher so that's the idea <laughs> that's amazing
0: and see i didn't do my homework and i didn't <laughs> make the drink but i will paint this picture for you it is Uh, let's say, well, when did, when was Coke developed? It was like the 1920s or something. Oh yeah, It was a
1: long time ago.
0: It is is a long time ago. And there are speakeasies with those really fancy bottles of Coca-Cola, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you always see, so I just want you to paint a picture in your head of my drink, which is basically an old speakeasy taking that Coke like they're a cheap college student and then just mixing it with rum. It was probably the best (laughs) rum back in the day because like they're... You know, it's probably like real rum. Like I, I kind of want to know what their rum tasted like compared to our rum. That's what I want to
1: know. Rum was not popular during Prohibition. Um, it got popular later. What was um whiskey and gin, like mo- okay. moonshine and it's gin?
0: A whiskey and Coke. Yeah, paint that picture, everybody. <laughs> Sometimes we just have to paint pictures with words yeah. instead of drinks when we've written words on a day that kind of ran us into the ground because you've been behind all week. So that's I that's my
1: pretty picture for you cuz I didn't have time to make a drink. <laughs> We'll just pretend. It's an audio medium. They didn't know. Nobody yeah, would know if we exa- didn't tell them that was Exactly. It wasn't here.
0: Now now you've um I just want everybody to picture, you know, those 1920s very closed-minded individuals of that generation just Lemon, whiskey and Coke. <laughs> so, I'll Mister Ava, who developed the Coke recipe, would have never known Asa, Ada, Asa, Asa Candler. Asa Candler would be amazed at what we're doing to Coca-Cola these days. Everybody, <laughs> oh. time to try time travel. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about multiple timelines.
1: Yes. Um. So. It's very tricky because it is one of those things that is very easy to do badly. <laughs> and I think so first, maybe we should kind of define when we think it's effective and when it's ineffective. And if you want a second to think about it, I have I can go first. You can start
0: <laughs> off on this one because I'm like, I'm really worried that I'm just going to end up talking about lost
1: like I <laughs> it is. It is actually in our examples in the list. If you look at the document, is it? Oh yeah, there it is. There it is. Because yeah, we I've got examples later. The if we don't get to them before, then to kind of touch on. But I think for me, in a book especially, TV shows are a little bit different because of the way they're paced and you get commercial breaks and stuff like that that kind of already break up the show. Um, in a book, you just have chapter breaks, and I think doing a t- doing a flashback in multiple timelines can be a risk because it jolts the reader out of where they are and puts them somewhere else. And you can do this, but I think transitions are important. And I think, like I said, that's kind of where the commercial break comes in on a TV show because they're already like, well, I got to go watch some ads. And then you come back. Um, But in a book, you want to be really careful where you're putting these flashbacks with your scene breaks and your chapter breaks and how long the flashback is, is important. Like if it is a, is it two timelines like it's chapters or is it like a flashback in the middle of a scene where you all of a sudden go back for like a page and a half and without any scene breaks. I'm rambling. (laughs) You're
0: not. And I, I'm just kind of holding off because like you're kind of talking about the prime way to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think that doing it correctly is just so difficult. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's because that like, you have to, if you're not going to sit there and do the, oh, 30, year, 30 years before thing at the top of your chapter, mm-hmm. you need to, to write the timeline in such a way that your reader knows where they are. Mm-hmm. Because I hate dealing with this shit when I'll pick up a book where someone's got multiple timelines, and I'm like, dude, I cannot tell where mm-hmm. I'm at. The thing about it, it, when you write one of these books... I understand the need to make things mysterious and like dropping foreshadowing things that happened centuries before or or 20 years before or whatever. I get Uh that. But completely blinding your reader, Uh I think, is just awful. And I have picked up many books that do this to the point where I actually I won't read many books anymore that have multiple timelines because it just feels cruel and it feels annoying. And it's like I could enjoy a million other fantasy novels or a million other other like anything else more than this, uh, because I'm just going to be pissed the entire time. And like, I love the idea of 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 exploring, you know, a nonlinear storytelling. Uh-huh. But I really, really hate the way that people use it. And a lot of times the biggest thing that people do that really miss pisses me off it's like the dream thing where actually when you go back in time it's just to learn exposition about the character and you're not actually learning anything that helps you that really helps the plot currently Mm -hmm. um it's just literally it feels like lazy exposition about about a character but 20 years ago Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you don't need to do that people because the thing is is your character has become who they they have become based on their traumas that happened 20 years ago you don't need to. You don't need to show that. I. Mm-hmm. I think that multiple timelines are cool, and they work when they are built to help your reader unfurl something mm-hmm. that's being, that that's part of the plot. Like it's to give you more information about a plot that's ongoing. Maybe where I wrote a, a book once with multiple timelines that had, mm-hmm. it, there was one big thing happening, and the and the and the flashbacks kind of gave you. Um, the reader some information that the characters didn't have so that you could go forward in time and put the pieces together yourself without me having to spell them out on the page gave the reader a lot of agency but I didn't blind them I didn't I didn't
1: (laughs) I do think that the if you're going to do like two or more chunks of timelines where it's going to be a chapter 10 years ago a chapter now a chapter 10 years ago chapter now, something like that you really do need the chapter headers like your readers have to be able to like get oriented in space like in time they need to know immediately where they are instead of reading it and going wait when is this
0: Mm -hmm. so i think that there's probably a couple tricks you could use to not do that but Mm -hmm. man you'd have to be a master at it you know like you you really would yeah you really really would
1: and that's one thing that kind of we mentioned here is when When and why would you want to to do that instead of what you said, where you're like, okay, it's bits and pieces of their trauma, bits and pieces of backstory. You can kind of sprinkle that in if needed instead of info dumping like all at once in a back in a previous timeline. So like. Why, why would you want to do the two timelines
0: to figure out something that is going on now that no one else can explain (laughs) yeah. <laughs> so in order to figure out what's happening in the present, you need to go back and you need to look at the details, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you guys have heard of it. But there is this show on TV called <laughs> Lost. <laughs> and, I, you know, I just re- I just recently started rewatching this. And, you know, I know the whole I know the whole story and I know there was a lot of drama and there was a lot of splits and a lot of people were angry and whatever. <laughs> but setting all that aside. Anybody who has not gone back to rewatch the first season after watching the whole thing. Wow. The amount, you know, the answer on episode two, if you've already seen it, the episode, the it is right there in front of you. And I love the nonlinear storytelling and loss. And I would recommend any writer go and watch at least the first season to see how they handle jumping, leaping back and forth in time and dropping these little nuggets of things that the, cause the, the show itself is kind of written in third limited. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Um, It's one of the very few shows on TV like this. And there's stuff going on in the background that the, that the main, the character who's in perspective doesn't notice. And mm-hmm. as, as the viewer, you can notice it. And when it's, you know, goes back to the Island, you are like, what was that? Like, and you're trying to help Help them figure it out through, with your own head. Like, yes, where are they? Why are they here? This thing happened and now this person's there. And like, you're trying to piece it together. Mm-hmm. And that's when I would use It, it is when there's something going on that is completely unexplainable, which is what I, I have some stuff going on in the book that I wrote with multiple mm-hmm. timelines. And the only way for the reader to put it together, the only way for the characters to start figuring it out is to for them to sort of re- like, look back in time. Uh-huh. What was there? What happened? How can we dissect that? And, I, you know, I bring up Lost because I am I am mind blown by how much they must have had to write beforehand to get all of this right. Because I know what it is like to write a book like that. And the idea of writing something for, you know, television like that, um, mm-hmm. where producers can change anything at, on the fly and the story can go fuck itself. To see the expert writing that went into that is it's insane because they did, they used it the right way, which is know? kind of
1: funny because they didn't plan it all ahead they 100% had a they the showrunners like desperately wanted to end after I don't remember which season and the the TV the producers were like no you're going to have to stretch this out and they had to like re they had to re tack they had to change course they
0: they knew the end as far as i know they they had they had 3 seasons they, planned and then when pe- people
1: liked it they extended it and people didn't like they said they knew the end i'm not sure i trust them because i was watching in real time <laughs> watch it again
0: watch it again. They absolutely did know the end because it's right in the second episode, and it's really cool. I don't know. I've not read the text <laughs> on on this show, but like there was some stuff said in the second episode and I'm like, isn't that how it ends? Isn't that what this is? and and it and it is, you know? Um, I'm not gonna spoil it for anybody because obviously, but yes. Again, it looks like Avery was on the different side of the fence. It looks like Avery was one of the angry ones. Well. And there were some angry people, but this is what you get with multiple timelines. People love it or people fucking hate it, you know? Like,
1: <laughs> I also think it this, the experience differs greatly whether you're watching it on your own timeline or whether you are watching it in real time. And I had to watch it over the course of like six or seven years. Which sucks. Yeah. Absolutely. Because that's it. Season two flashbacks
0: are fucking terrible. You don't want to do season two with your book, nor do you want to do season three with your book. Watch Lost, the whole thing, and then learn the lesson. Don't do season two and three. Cut it.
1: It's not necessary. (laughs) You know, I will say since we're kind of on TV shows now, um, I actually have kind of an interesting like compare and contrast with Lost and a couple of other shows. Spoiler alerts, I'm going to give you some spoilers because I have to to use these as examples for the first season of the TV show Westworld and for the TV show of The Witcher. If you don't want spoilers for those, you might want to dip out now. Um but they've both been around long enough that I'm sorry. So, Lost telegraphs really really well when it is doing a flashback because of the setting. It's really easy if they're on the island, it's now. If they're like, you know, in a corporate office building it's it's not now <laughs> so it's really easy to kind of like immediately get where when you are there's a little bit of an exception to that i won't go into too many spoilers but in general you know okay back forth back forth but then there's also the there's also westworld and the witcher and westworld you don't realize you're in different timelines until it's almost the end and then everything makes sense and it completely recontextualizes the show and I think that one's interesting because, like I said, you do, it, they don't telegraph that it's different timelines until you start going, some of this stuff isn't adding up. So it's almost a mystery. And you don't need to know the story made sense. It's brilliantly done because the story is it it made sense, except for a few things that didn't quite add up until the end. And then you're like, oh, we were watching two different timelines this whole time. Mm. And so and then it 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 all comes together. Whereas on the other end, you've got The Witcher, which has multiple timelines. But I, I, I didn't finish the first season of The Witcher because I got confused <laughs> because it didn't really it didn't telegraph well enough. And I'm like, who's this? Where are they going? What's going on? And if I had known they were different timelines, that would have made more sense and I would have been able to figure it out. But they never told me. And the fact that they didn't tell me, it still didn't make sense. Whereas in Westworld, it made sense. Is, does, is this adding up? Am I just rambling again? <laughs>
0: it does. No, you're not rambling. You're, you're not rambling. It's just such a hard... It's such a hard thing to respond to because, like, I've... You know, for instance, people have talked to me about Westworld. They've talked to me about Wheel, Wheel of Time. And, like, it is such... It is such a subjective thing, because when I think about those two things, I'm like, nah, man, that's not for me. I fucking hate that. Like, I hate (laughs) that. Like, and it's not me trying to be closed minded. It's like, literally, I can't wrap my head around it. Mm -hmm. The Witcher, I think, was easy for me, because I had read a couple books, and like, I Mm -hmm. knew the characters. So that, so for me, it was easy for me to put together. So I can't even speak Mm -hmm. on that, because. And I hadn't read the books. And, and that me not being confused is really rare, you know, for whatever neurodivergency I have versus what you have. It's like we are confused by two different things. Mm-hmm. And it's such it's such a hard thing to react to because you don't want to I don't want to disencourage anybody from doing something like they do in Westworld or The Witcher by saying, yes, I get it. No, I don't get it. Mm hmm you just have to make sure that if you are going to do it, you have a lot of beta readers to make sure that your point is getting across. And, you know, television is really rough because you don't know until it's out there. Uh-huh. You know, they have they they do have beta viewers. I forget what they're called test viewers or something like that. And uh,
1: yeah, like test audiences. Yeah.
0: And they they do have those. But I think usually they get the pilot. Uh-huh. Like, that's pretty much it. And and after that, you know, it, it all goes televised and you just got to hope for the best, you know.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And boy, if I had a four book, se- you know, series and then my publisher told me, oh, people really like this book. Can you please add six more to it? I'd be in the same situation as J.J. Abrams and whatever team (laughs) wrote Lost because it's like, yeah, I guess it was kind of pretty tight. But sure, we can, you know, and some people liked it. Some people hated it. And that's why it's so hard to react to because my initial reaction to this kind of stuff is like, no, I hate that. But that's not (laughs) not right, you know, because like just because I hate it doesn't mean it's – um. It's that way for everybody.
1: And I think it is different comparing TV shows to books because TV is a visual medium. And so there's a lot of visual cues that you can use. You can use visual cues, music cues, you know, kind of stuff that's in the background in the set, that kind of thing to kind of help set this stage. Whereas in books, you don't have that. You can kind of, you know, describe the setting a little bit. You can kind of, especially if you're doing something that's like 20 years ago, you can you can like lightly reference a piece of technology that's like old or something and be Mm -hmm. like oh you know she plugged in the vcr or something and just that way we know okay well now they're back in you know the 80s or whatever but you don't have as many cues which is why i think a lot of times every example i'm trying to think of right now with books has those chapter headers that tells you what year how many years ago the few examples that I had written here, actually two of them are V.E. Schwab. (laughs) Um, I didn't write down. One is Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which has one storyline that takes place over like 200 years, like for the past 200 years. And then there's the current storyline, which I think is a matter of months or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of happening in parallel, but they do affect each other, but you get that timeline. It's like Paris, you know, 1892 at the beginning of the chapter and then it's like present day and so you go back and forth and the same thing with um vicious which is v schwab but it tells you 10 years ago five years ago today and then the other examples book that came out this year um called the deep sky by yume kitase and it's about interstellar travel and society trying to go and you know recolonize or colonize a new planet. And part of it happens on the ship and the characters in the ship, there's a mystery. There's, there's a minor disaster and the main character is accused of doing it and has to figure out who did it. And then there's the training program of all of them getting ready to go on the ship. And because you've got these two, they once again, it telegraphs, you know, 10 years ago now, 10 years ago now, but that one's interesting because it's character work because you've got this mystery and then when you're going back, you're learning things about the characters mm. that help you understand who might have had motive, who didn't get along, who, you know, right, was always rivals, who was always a bit shady, who was the one who was willing to sacrifice everybody to, for the mission. And so you kind of learn these things in their training program and then kind of apply it to the present day story. That's kind of cool. I think that's where they, they need to tie together. Like you said, it can't just be info dump of what happened before it has to weave into the current yeah in order for it to make sense and lost does that too because it's the same thing it's you're getting characters motivations you're learning if characters had met in the past you know you're right you're learning the things you're learning about the past are informing what is currently going on in the present and i think that's the important part is they need to yeah. both interact
0: yeah yeah I think, um, so does the, does the deep sky, does that have, um, telegraphs in the time, uh, at the, in the chapter headers So you know where you are? Yes. Oh, it does. That's surprising mm-hmm. to me. Cause see, I, I would think that you might be able to pull it off with, without the, without the headers. If anybody is out there who is considering doing it without mm-hmm. headers, first of all, Brave. Um, second of all, you can do it. Part of the reason it, it takes time. And you know, I i think that I've talked about my other book project um several times on this. I, I put it mm-hmm. down temporarily because I couldn't quite I didn't have time for it. One of the reasons I didn't have time for it is because I want to do this. And 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 there's like there's one character who's got a stutter from some magic
1: mm-hmm.
0: and one in the present timeline, but in the past timeline, the character does not have the stutter mm-hmm. from the magic. So I was able to sort of differentiate between like I felt like I did a pretty good job just uh, with the framing with that, that it wasn't confusing, but Uh I didn't do it very often. And I'm setting my reader up to know this character very, very, very well before I go back in time and show them a different version. So they're immediately like, "Okay, that's a different version of the same Uh character also, they're transgender. So they're actually a different gender mm-hmm. in, or in the, because they don't they don't realize, mm-hmm. you know, what they are yeah. for a while. They're using different pronouns. Exactly. They're, they're using different pronouns. That's what mm-hmm. I mean. So it's, uh, it, you know, there are things that you can do, but it's it's difficult. And there's no shame in mm-hmm. doing the telegraphs either, because obviously mm-hmm. the deep sky sounds like it's very successful. And if it uses the telegraphs up top, mm-hmm. then that's perfect.
1: And- Part of the reason I think that one also uses telegraphs is there are are also, it's very kind of almost literary in its style. Um, It kind of straddles the line between literary and sci-fi. And there's like these little interludes where there's a running theme of birds and it kind of, it it has to do with the whole literary underlining themes and stuff.
0: No, birds, you know, birds are always (laughs) literary, you know, underlying (laughs) themes, deep deep emotions, you know.
1: There's these little interludes that are like, kind of they almost read like a nature documentary about like a specific type of bird and it's just like one page and Mm. it kind of ties into all the other themes and things that are going on but it does kind of like (laughs) break up between so i think that's also part of why it has the headers is because you kind of leave the story for this little kind of interlude and then come back which is actually brings up another interesting thing which is part of the reason i don't like in chapter flashbacks is because it jolts me out of the story and yet in this case I'm like it's beautiful <laughs> so that's one of those things are subjective but also it is it is broken up it's like end of chapter interlude next chapter and I think part of my problem with in chapter flashbacks is a lot of times it it kills momentum mm-hmm. because your stories it's you know you're, you're ramping up interest something interesting is about to happen and then the character has to think about the thing that happened. Five years ago and if it's in the middle of a scene it jolts me out and then back without that moment to breathe that like a scene break would
0: yeah
1: uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) because you got on me for using flashbacks in the past
0: yeah. Well, it's cause like, if you've got the, th- and and you know, that's the complaint with loss too, though. Um, in that second season, you're getting, you're getting momentum. You're giving your watchers momentum by showing the, this really cool thing taking place. And then all of a sudden you flash back to something that maybe has one tiny little detail that like gives more like depth to what's currently going on. You stop in the middle of what you're doing and let me tell you, there's some dumb parts in season two where they do this. And it's like, why the fuck would you flash back now? And it's that's what you don't want to do. So, you know, also watching opportunity, watching loss is a great opportunity to learn what not to do. Yeah, it, you definitely have to be clever about it. And you can't you got to give your readers something before you before you go on and to the next part. I don't know. Like, don't don't leave people hanging too hard. Leave them hanging on just enough that that.
1: They're going to feel fed, you know, I think it has to do. I think it all has to go back to pacing like we were talking about momentum. It has to do with momentum and pacing. Mm -hmm. If you're in a moment where things are kind of settling down, you're coming down into like, you know, a little bit more of an introspective, the the main action of the scenes over then, okay, we can kind of go into the flashback of like something that's not as action heavy and then come back. Mm -hmm. But if you're in the middle of like something where the scenes, you know, go and moving along and then you stop to go back. You're you're jolting the pacing a little bit. So I think that's one thing to kind of keep in mind is what the pacing momentum of that scene and that part of the book is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think my biggest tip for this is to make sure to read a bunch of books like this before uh-huh. you do it. So you can kind of know which ones to like, like what to do, because honestly, without context or reference, it would be really hard yeah. to, to do this. While I'm thinking about it, there is one book. It's called The Echo Maker. It's by Richard Powers. Hmm. When I read it, I didn't think it was quite as researched as I wanted it to be. However, and don't quote me on this, but I do think that this book, when I read it, it did not have telegraphs at the top of the chapter. And it covers two different timelines of this guy um, getting hit by a car. Or so he's in hmm. like a car crash. And it sort of shows his life before the car crash and the life after the car crash. Mm-hmm. So that's... That's interesting, too. Hmm. I think that one that one is cool because I think the timeline split up by showing. Um, and, and again, don't quote me on this because I read it a while ago. But I feel hmm. like I remember it being um, one character was the perspective of the present chapters and the injured character was the perspective of the previous timeline chapters. Hmm. So they they he he did it by by letting one character be in charge of one timeline mm-hmm. and the other character be in charge of the other so you knew if you were getting because i think that the character was unable to kind of have a perspective at that point cuz he was kind of a you know he had just been in a car crash he's not he's not his mental faculties aren't processing you know so we wouldn't be able to read in his perspective but when we mm-hmm. are in his perspective we know that he's still healthy mm-hmm. so it's it's interesting
1: yeah I think it could be interesting to do and this is one of the things that's going to be divisive. Like, I think that's part of it is if you're going to do any of these choices, just make the choices with intention, because no matter what you do, some people are going to like it. Some people are not going to like it. But one interesting way that I think I've seen somewhere, but I cannot remember where is changing either the tense or the the point of view. So like present chapters are in first person and past chapters are in third person or something like that whoa i swear i've seen it somewhere <laughs> whoa but that is like i said it's a risky maneuver because some people are going to get real mad at it but some people are gonna yeah. be like this is neat so it's all subjective
0: <laughs> yeah you, ne- you never know what tricks are gonna work yeah you, d- you never do and i feel like if you're sitting down to write a book with multiple timelines anyway you're kind of uh-huh you kind of already know like this is going to be one of those situations where some people are going to like it some people don't it's okay if i'm a little artsy here come up with something creative like it's okay if it's unique because these books take work and Mm -hmm. i think they are usually works of like literary kind of genius if they're done right so you know kind of comes with the territory
1: yeah i uh yeah i was gonna say um oh there went the thought goodbye thought Goodbye. Bye. See you later. Oh, I was just going to say, you are probably not going to get multiple timelines right in your first try. Maybe not even your second try. And I'm talking about like drafts. Like it's you're probably going to have to do some finessing, but that's always the case with ev- everything. You're not going to get it right the mm-hmm. first time. For instance, me, <laughs> the, the the book that I got my agent with has like a, it, it, it's
0: the the timeline is cut right after the first or second chapter. And then, and then it comes back at the end, you meet back up with a timeline, I guess, one of those situations where you see the present, and then you go back to the past for a really long time. And then eventually the past turns into the present. Boy, I think, you know, (laughs) just a word from the wise here. uh, It, I feel like I did a pretty good job. With this book, and my agent does as well, and it has been a hard sell. It, it's it's been a hard mm-hmm. sell because it takes a very specific kind of reader to get it, and when they do get it, they love it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like me. Yeah, like I feel like a lot of people found it confusing. You know, there were some editors out there who loved it, but they couldn't get the money for it. You know, like it, this happens. So, because mm-hmm. um, it is risky, it's risky for you, it's risky for them. Your cards sort of have to, or your stars sort of have to align here, mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I love that book. It, it it took a long time to write. But by the time I got the agent, the agent said, okay, we need to clean this up because you've got present tense here. I don't remember if I did present tense or like third to first swap up front or what I did, but my agent didn't like it. And I had to rewrite the first chapter so that it better grounded the reader mm-hmm. because it was very confusing. Um, and then to go back in time was odd that it was, it was first pass and then it was first present or something uh-huh. like that. I don't fucking know. I don't even remember. I wrote this <laughs> book two, a year and a half ago and I don't remember, but like it, it is, you do have to write it more than once and you have to uh-huh. write it more than five times too because man, I edited the shit out of that book and my agent, even after 30 beta readers told me they loved it, my agent was still like, this is not well grounded enough in the beginning and I, d- I wrestled with those timelines like to make, like to have to make them feel like, they were good and mm-hmm. followable. It was it was it was a, a lot it was a workout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was a workout.
1: Yeah. It's hard. Sorry if that was a long string of me just ranting. No, ranting's good. We like ranting. <laughs> One thing I was gonna note here just because I saw it on the list and I wanted to it's a very quick note I wanted to make before I forgot, which is that time travel stories are kind of vaguely similar but not really the same thing so i kind of just wanted to be like we are we are aware of them but an nod th- to you yeah they are their own beast um that require <laughs> a lot more finessing and we may do an episode on time travel stories later because i have not written any but i am i i am a lover of time travel media so i have not written it because it seems hard but I like consuming it. So I have thoughts. So maybe we'll do that again sometime.
0: There is one thing that I really do like um, uh, that it, I kind of to riff off of what you said. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily multiple timelines in a single book, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of situations where we see multiple timelines through an author's work, Oh which yeah? I love. Oh my God. I can think of so many. Like I know, I know Brandon Sanderson does it where mm-hmm. he has, you know, he'll publish multiple books, but he's like, okay, but this takes, part you know this takes place in this part of the cosmic or during mm-hmm. this time before this character and this book is some other time and um as a reader it's really fun to sort of uh like just try to figure that out and and really appreciate it at you know through the books i know zelda does it the video game zelda um there's lots of different versions of link even fans always argue about where the timeline starts and where it <laughs> ends just so there's just so much you can do with it if you have time to write even
1: multiples i was gonna say by the way um another author that does that is um jacqueline Carey, who does like the first the first trilogy is following phaedra and then the second trilogy is following like phaedra's adopted son basically like years later and then the third trilogy is like 100 or 200 years later with completely different characters love it so good. One other thing I was going to say real quick, uh, and I just lost it in art. Oh, framing device. Because one of the other ways to do multiple timelines is through a framing device, which we kind of, um, we've recorded we this episode, it, yeah. but we haven't, I haven't published it yet. It's a mini episode about epigraphs, is an interesting way to do framing devices. So like at the beginning of a chapter, um, and the one that we mentioned, and the one that I'm thinking of right now is Robin Hobb, where there's like the the now timeline i'm using big quotes for people who are mm-hmm. listening to this later mm-hmm. which is fits like telling this story of the past and you only get that through epigraphs that kind of tell you like i'm writing this much later and so there technically are two timelines but you're really spending your time in one
0: yeah and that's fine i i i personally like it i like it more in robin hobb than i do that other big fantasy book that's not finished yet that i want to die about
1: <laughs> the Name of the Wind.
0: Name of the Wind. That's kind of technically multiple timelines too, but again, it's done mm-hmm. in such moderation that it's not you know, it's not taking over the book mm-hmm. doing it, and you can do that. I personally love that. I mm-hmm. that's my favorite kind, you know, when you can kind of get tidbits of what the present looks like and you're looking back in the past or you get tidbits of the past and you're looking forward. I like those. I don't like like it when they're 50-50. I won't pick up those books, but a lot of people will. (laughs) It sounds like Avery would. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love them. Yeah, Addie LaRue is one of my books that I love, and it's very much 50-50. If it's not every other chapter, it's pretty close to every other chapter being past, present, past, present.
0: Yeah. And see, I... I really loved like the first two chapters of Addie LaRue, but once I realized that that was going on, my brain just couldn't... It wasn't that it was bad. It's beautifully written. My brain was just unable to follow the mm-hmm. two equally, you know? You gotta know yeah. your audience for sure when you're when you're writing these because you have to be okay with the fact that you're going to lose some people yeah. and you don't take it personally because V E Schwab is an amazing writer and the way that Life of Addie LaRue is written is is very, very beautiful. But like I you know, if I had to have a conversation with V.E. Schwab, I'd be like, "Sorry, I can't beta, <laughs> beta test your book because I I don't know how to read this." It's not personal, you know. And you have to, you have to be okay with that. Yeah. Like you have to, you you got to know that it's not going to be for everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. I think the whole concept of doing multiple timelines is going to be divisive. You're going to have people who love it, people who hate it. It's just it's one of those things that people are going to be probably on one side of the fence about i'm sure there are people who are in the middle um, but it it can be very like people just dipping out because they're like that's not for me but then you just know that that's not your reader for this book they might check out a different book so if you're listening
0: to this and you're still trying to decide if Mm -hmm. you should write your book with a multiple timeline or not let's see what tips can we give them to make their decision easier?
1: Mm, That's a good one.
0: Well, first of all, do you have a time constraint? Because if you have a time constraint, the answer is no.
1: (laughs) If you're (laughs) up on deadline. um, No, I think it's, it's kind of going back to the thing where it's like, do you have enough of the past story that... Weaves into and informs the present story to make it worth doing two full timelines. If it's just a bit of backstory, like you said, kind of you know your character's past trauma or whatever, do we really need a full back timeline no. for that? Or can you just no. I think that's the first question is, can I sprinkle this in a small reference here, a line of backstory there? Is that possible? And if it's not possible, really ask yourself why? Hold on, I am trying to think <laughs> of that.
0: Oh, I remember what it is. If you do want to do that and you want to sprinkle a little in mm-hmm. and you feel like reading a very sad book for reference, <laughs> A Little Life does this. Um, They actually do go back in time just to show, it's not clues, it's not anything. It's literally to show the character's backstory instead mm-hmm. of talking about the backstory out loud. You're seeing it sort of in- uh, a, a separate timeline where his they're showing you the timeline of his trauma makes the timeline of his present day life just as a warning this is a very very graphic book do not pick it up look into it or anything if you have a weak stomach weak in the knees whatever if you have like convictions against you know uh like literally anything not all the trigger warnings <laughs> All the trigger warnings for this book. Don't go out and get it if you have triggers. Um, Seriously, any triggers, don't go out and get this book. But it is a really good example of how you can put backstory in a timeline that is separate without boring the reader. Because I don't think that the book would have hit as hard. If I took that timeline out, it, mm-hmm. it wouldn't feel the same. You know, if if he had been telling it to somebody, or showing mm-hmm. me somehow that he had had this happen to him, I don't think I would have liked it as much. So yes, it can be done.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, I think it's do you need do you need it to not have that filter? Because saying yeah. it or talking about it, or like referencing it in like the present day as a memory? All of that puts a little bit of a filter in there. And if you need the intensity of it happening right now, then that's a reason to do a flashback or a dual timeline. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I have one final note. And my answer is very quick and simple, which was, should you write multiple timelines and multiple POVs? My thing is always like, there's never a really like should, should not kind of situation. But if you are going to do it, do it with, once again, do it with intention. Like, that's the kind of thing you're really going to have to probably plan and probably finesse even more than doing it in one POV.
0: <laughs> yeah. And if you don't want chapter telegra- uh, the, the, the telegraphs on the chapter that say this is when it's happening, you kind of have to be forward in that first paragraph mm-hmm. like, Before this happened, this happened. Like, I think I do that in my project that I have that the character with the stutter. I'm pretty sure that I frame it in the first paragraph in such a way that the reader knows exactly where they are and exactly whose head they're in. Uh Because if you don't do that, your reader is going to be so confused. They're going to hate you. Don't try to be cool by not doing it. You have to either do a telegraph or you have to do something very obvious Mm -hmm. in the first paragraph that helps your reader along because if you're going to do that whole ah yes watch this hand while i do this thing with this hand and let's hope you get where i'm going with this um by the middle of the chapter that's not going to work and people aren't going to want to read it make sure you're forward with your reader be honest with your reader and tell your reader where the fuck they are (laughs) so long as it won't spoil the book (laughs) yeah
1: yeah yeah um, we do have a question in chat that says, I've always wondered about the type of book called Choose Your Own Adventure. I don't know if you have any specific questions about those, <laughs> but we did, if if you are listening to this later, we do have an episode. I don't remember the number. Um, if you listen, go check out the podcast. We have an episode where we interview Bindi Barrett, who has done interactive fiction and kind of talks about that a little bit more. It does involve a lot of planning, kind of like a dual timeline, Um, but it, it does all take place in one timeline. But it's like, branching timelines <laughs> yes
0: yeah, I've always wanted to just do one for fun because I don't know I want to know how you put something like that together
1: because I've got no idea I did one year for NaNoWriMo do a um, visual novel game program uh, script I never got around to actually programming it because it was very time consuming, but I did write the script and it was very interesting because like I would do a scene and they would be like, okay, if you make this choice, where does that go? And if you make this choice, where does that go? And in a choose your own adventure, you're just going down a different branch. Um, in my game, there were actually like scores that were going on in the background. Like if you, it was, it would had to do with like, kind of like political intrigue sort of like diplomacy. And so like if you spoke well to this person, then you got points in like diplomacy with their kingdom and et cetera. And at the end it would like tally up the points. If you're doing a choose your own adventure book, it's literally just like, do you open the box? And then you open the box and it's like, oh no, there were snakes in the box. You died. Or oh hey, it's gold in the box and now you're rich. So you can write that, but it's it's usually you have to do it in a visual way some sort of like cork board sort of you know the 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 meme of the always sunny with like the board with the red string and everything that what is it pepe sylvia
0: pepe sylvie i love the goosebumps uh, mm-hmm. I I would only read the Goosebumps Choose Your Own Adventures. Like I loved those when I was a kid, and that basically the way they were set up was that on the bottom they
1: mm-hmm. would say
0: if you choose to open this door, turn to page eighty three. If you choose to go to the circus, turn to page forty two, and then sometimes you die on page forty two, <laughs> and then you just go back. Uh huh. Like, I didn't choose that one. Yep. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to keep reading.
1: I would read it with like my <laughs> my like multiple like hands and fingers like bookmarking yep. different pages. So you have like five different like spots that your hands uh-huh. are marked in there. Yeah. So that you yeah, can go back cuz you
0: don't want the book to end, damn it.
1: <laughs> there was one oh, at one point first. in time. There was one where you like actually couldn't win. Like like the winning the winning page was in the book but they never made the path that actually got you there. Like they screwed up in making it. You just had to find it. So you had to like thumb through it and be like, I won. That's amazing. So yeah, that was a little digression, but it was a fun digression. Um, Is there, are there any other final, final thoughts? Nah, I don't think so.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, No, I think I was just looking at our, our little list here. I think we covered everything. We didn't, I don't, Yeah, we kind of covered how long you should spend in each timeline before swapping and it's really per book. So,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah,
0: I think we did a pretty good job. (laughs) I think we can pat ourselves on the back here. We kind of meandered a bit. I mean, I mean, we're talking about multiple (laughs) timelines here. I mean, you kind of have to. And 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 again, it's it's one of those things where it's like there are no rules for it, really, because like it's kind of like taking a sip of poison. You just kind of, you know, you're kind (laughs) of on your own. Because every single multiple timeline book, they're all so different. Mm -hmm. Like I can't really think of any that are truly similar because you're messing with plot and character development and mystery. And maybe, I don't know, probably trauma uh, if Mm -hmm. you're not writing mystery. So it's also different. I would say, do your research, make sure you've read some multiple timeline books Mm -hmm. because if you haven't you're probably gonna feel a little confused and don't try to swap tenses past present Mm -hmm. like as far as writing style because if you're anything like me your agent's gonna be like this isn't working (laughs) and you're gonna have to fix it anyway so i don't know (laughs) spirit (laughs)
1: spare yourself the extra
0: time and try to figure it out so that you stay in one head of storytelling um so that you stay in present so that you stay in past so you stay in first or third person and that's that's all i've got left Mm -hmm. i think i think we did a pretty good job
1: (laughs) i think so too (laughs) i think we're great i think we're awesome. awesome yay yeah yeah And uh, you can find everything about the podcast at anditswriting.com. Look us up on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts anywhere you listen. We're on the Podcatchers. Um, you can also follow us on Blue Sky and Instagram at And It's Writing for episode updates and notifications. Technically, we still have a Twitter slash X, but we don't use it anymore. Um, and if you like what you're hearing, join our Discord group. Check out our website for details. We'd also love it if you left us a rating on iTunes or Spotify. If you're listening to this later, it really does help others find us. And I think that's everything. So thank you for joining us and we will see you again soon. Bye. Bye.